Welcome to episode 22 of Vague Zone. I am one of your hosts, Thomas, and with me always is... Daniel. And today we have a special guest, Carl. And yeah, he is actually the person to, that suggested this Matrix trilogy run that we did for the, our usual franchise choice. And so I'm glad to have you on, Carl. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so a little background, me and Carl actually... Our our friends for a while. He's not just some random dude who suggested a movie to us. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you guys have to work yeah. together. If you're listening, to, <laughs> if you're listening to this, don't get that in your head that you can just suggest a movie and then you'll be coming on the show. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk quite a bit, mainly about movies and video games, and uh, awesome. I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing. So I, again, totally. thanks for having me. Sweet. Yeah. Totally. So yeah. So Carl, uh, since you're our guest, how about you tell us some. Um, what was your oh well maybe we should actually introduce yeah we're doing the matrix reloaded today yeah i was gonna and, read the uh, imdb yeah yeah Go for okay it. so the imdb synopsis for the matrix reloaded 2003 directed by the wachowski brothers at the time and so this is freedom fighters neo trinity and morpheus continue to lead the revolt against the machine army unleashing their arsenal of extraordinary skills and weaponry against the systematic forces of repression and exploitation <laughs> goodness that is a log line oh my yeah. gosh so, yeah. uh, so carl since you're a guest <laughs> um how about you start by telling me when did you first see this movie and what was your reaction when you first saw it well, I was primed for this movie. I, I saw the first Matrix when I was 10. I didn't see it in theaters, but um, caught it on home video, had it on VHS, watched it pretty often. Uh, my friend group was into it. We were all super excited about it. And then we got word that the sequels are coming out. And not only are they coming out, they're coming out six months apart. Yeah. And there's going to be a video game. Yeah. And there's going to be a direct-to-DVD uh, anime movie. Or anthology so uh, i couldn't have been more excited for it how, how old are I you saw it, saw it first day. so i would have been 10 when the first one came out and i'm sure there was a ton of stuff over my head but i enjoyed it obviously it's 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 just great and then yeah definitely i it's, was it's like a dope kung fu movie <laughs> exactly yeah it, it has a ton going on but at the end of the day it just looks great and it's just a, it's just a fun action movie you know a 10 year old can definitely get into it <laughs> Yeah, but um, by the time the sequels were ready to come out, I was thirteen or fourteen. So you're telling me this series that I love, or this movie that I love, is having sequels, and it's it's going to be a franchise. It's rated R. I'm thirteen or fourteen, a teenager. Um, I wouldn't seen it. Yeah, day one, I was there. <laughs> Both of the sequels, actually. Awesome. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, The Matrix came out, and this was before this was before Lord of the Rings, so there wasn't really like a big trilogy saga thing happening um i guess the only real frame of reference was star wars exactly right? and like can anyone think of like what a comparable thing was that was happening at that time well, like spider-man uh, well, hadn't come out yet well fellowship was 2001 and this was 2003 but i feel like yeah this is they were reaching their height at this point and then yeah the the later two really gargantuan uh, Lord of the Rings movies came out in like 2004 but uh, yeah the Matrix definitely dominated 2003 yeah and I was 12 and yeah my parents they weren't into me seeing it in theater so I had to wait to catch it at home as well and it's still like it's such a fantastic movie to watch even like now when I rewatch it by myself yeah it's, it's just yeah. like, <laughs> such a, a dynamic fucking movie I, but yeah I think as far as trilogies go this is one of those ones that when it showed up, it was, yeah, it just, it kind of took over the airwaves because, yeah, the philosophy, the action, just everything of it is just such a stylistic piece. In this one, it feels just like one long, just really seamless piece of action that just like every time I catch it, like I sit down and I just get sucked in back into this, this weird rescue mission that they do. <laughs> I, I will argue that it is a pretty seamed piece of action. Uh, <laughs> okay. I feel okay. like, because I feel like the rhythm of this movie, it's like we get these big action scenes and they're really fun and you can lose yourself in them. But then it's broken up by just a lot of expository dialogue. Um, yeah, and I feel like yeah. it works in the first one because you're being introduced to the world of the Matrix. You're going down the rabbit hole with Neo. But this one, it is it feels like it's fully invested into its concepts over character. Um, okay. But yeah, like what did both of you think? Like the first time you saw it, were you both... Yeah, Matrix Reloaded, like great sequel, or 
Well, well I'll let Carl go. <laughs> I remember being pretty into it. Yeah. Okay. Um, came out the theater pumped. Um, I would yeah. going back to comparing the franchises. I would equate this to seeing the original Star Wars trilogy as a teenager. You know, this was like my franchise at that time. You know, mm-hmm. I I inherited Star Wars from my brother. You know, and they they did the re-releases in the '90s, but this was a rated R yeah. trilogy um, right around the time I was. Yeah, right, right about the time I was in adolescence, going into being a teenager. So it, it it probably hit harder than even Star Wars, even though at that time I was a fan of Star Wars. And the the prequel, the first prequel actually came out the same year as Matrix. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And this was clear. Oh. Matrix was clearly the better start of something. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Even the first movie was. Is the Galactic. The first movie was. The first movie is so self-contained, um, it works on its own, you know? But this was yeah. like, if you wanted more, here's a ton more. Not just movies, yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. Video sure. games. <laughs> the whole cross, cross-platform, cross cross-media thing is really interesting, too. I think, what had done, been done prior? Uh, like Pokemon or something? Because, you know, Pokemon had the TV show. Is there anything yeah. rated R that is A multimedia... Operable? Thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know, cause like, when, when did X Files come out? I know that had comics and stuff like that, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Been... There was probably video games eventually, but I think that, but that wasn't from its inception. Like, yeah, like the Matrix. Once they got the green light for sequels, they were like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna create this expansive multimedia experience. And exactly. Yeah, I don't know if there was anything else like that. Yeah, it's cool. I, going... Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I, I um. It's an interesting time for Warner Brothers, too. You know, they weren't doing superhero stuff. I think Batman and Robin kind of killed off the superhero stuff for them up until Nolan brought Batman back and then Superman Returns happened. So it was just like this five-year period where they let the Wachowskis kind of do whatever they want. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, And then, of course, yeah, superhero stuff came back. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to mention that I think they also really tapped into the multimedia thing in an interesting way by telling portions of the story in one version and then, you know, having it be pieced together in the movie. And so it's like, you see Niobe in Reloaded and you're like, okay, like, her role is, like, there and, like, definitely, like, present. But in the games, it's like you actually get to be Niobe and see the story from her perspective. And so it fills in these major gaps and everything. And, yeah, it's just super ahead of its time i think i remember the way the games were like marketed too it was like you're not going to get the full matrix story unless you play the games. yeah yeah exactly, exactly. and then Same watching the matrix yeah and then like rewatching this movie i'm like eh, i feel like i got enough of it like <laughs> like i don't need to know gist. how yeah what her and uh her buddy were doing like yeah her ghost. ghost i just know they got there <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm never i'm never sure if it's if his name's ghost because the twins are essentially ghosts and so that's always confusing to me. Yeah, but the twins are the twins, I guess. Yeah, they're just called the twins. Two albino dudes with dreadlocks. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so how do we want to break this one down? Uh, now that we sort of got into it, do you want to just like, talk about the sequences that stand out to us and, you know, like pieces that are most compelling? Um, yeah. So, like, when I, so when I was, like, looking at how people have talked about this movie online now, I feel like a lot of people just... There's a lot of emphasis on the action sequences, especially the uh, freeway chase scene. Mm-hmm. And it's a great chase scene, but I, I watched this movie and then I just started rewatching sections of the movie, it's particularly like the heavy dialogue scenes, because I really feel like this movie is maybe like four heavy dialogue scenes broken up with large action scenes. Um, and I think, yeah, yeah I think the, the moments of dialogue are the most interesting parts of this movie because it's, yeah, it is introducing all of these large concepts. It's doing a lot of world building. And I feel like the fights, like like in the first movie, we have that fight between Morpheus and Neo. And Morpheus, it's an opportunity for Morpheus to do sort of the Yoda role. And for Neo to, both of them are like, are kind of, uh, we're, we're being exposed to their egos in that scene a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's a, you know, a come... A real a moment of realization for Neo when he's able to open up, free his mind a little bit, and he we see his speed and stuff. So there's character development happening within this fight. I don't really think there's any character development happening in the action scenes in this movie. Am I wrong? Like, 
Huh? I, I thought there was some in the freeway scene where we get to see a little bit of how they would take roles in sort of like a situation that sort of is like breaking that sort of is not breaking but is out of their control a little bit and so i like to see morpheus being like okay like i'm going to start delegating a little bit and mm-hmm. be like okay like neo you go here trinity you go here and you do like you protect the key maker and so i, I like that part of it and it was sort of cemented with him picking up the samurai sword and being like, okay, yeah. I'm going to be a little bit of the sensei here. Neo, you kind of go out and be the ranger, and then Trinity is just going to protect the assets, so to speak. And I, I like that a little bit, and so there is a little bit of spurts of character, but I, I um, upon rewatch, yeah, I'm a little bit with you because as when I was like, yeah, 12 or whatever, when this came out, I was like, yeah, like, I just want to see Neo fight the a bunch of Smiths or... You know, I just I'm just really interested in the the freeway fight and you know just all of that entire sequence. I was uh, like adored that so much. But now as I'm older, I'm like, yeah, I'm more interested in what the Oracle is saying and then what the yeah, architect let me re- is talking about. <laughs> let me rewatch the Oracle uh-huh. scene three times and rewatch yeah, the or- like, architect the scene three totally times. Like switched entirely. Yeah, the Merovingian. I'm like uh, not so much I'd, about that. But yeah, get out scene, of here. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not crazy about that <laughs> scene. But everything else, I think, is is it holds up pretty well and this is this i feel like this is one of my favorite series of action scenes because yeah i've i've watched some other action movies recently where there's some stuff on the freeway and it always makes me think of reloaded because reloaded just does it so fucking well and it's like just the chunks of that are it's just like visual candy for me i don't know that's just how i feel about it upon rewatch yeah yeah i mainly agree um i do like seeing morpheus much more useful um, in the yeah. first movie, he gets he gets sidelined pretty early, and uh, yeah, you know he has a reputation. Yeah, you know he has a reputation in Zion. Um, he's the captain of the ship. Yeah, uh, you finally get to see him fight someone that isn't an agent. So he's he's kind of a badass, you know. Yeah. Up until he fights the agent on top of the semi, he does fight. Yeah, yeah. But that's also yeah, yeah. like I said, there wasn't much character development in here. Like in the first movie, they talk about if you see an agent run. And, like, he does have a showdown with an agent to save Neo. And so I guess, like, him facing down the agent again, it's just, like, he's not he's not willing to back away necessarily. Like, like he's willing to... he Morpheus is a religious extremist, basically. Yeah, and that's kind is. of how he is in the real world. It's just he so fully believes in the one, and he's proven right in the first movie. Uh, but, like, there is there is a great moment. So, so this is one of the problems I have with this movie. I feel like there's not a lot of character moments but there is a moment where neo tells him that the prophecy was a lie and he kind of doesn't he doesn't want to believe it and trinity is kind of confused by that too and it it, it kind of makes him feel a little it's you feel bad for morpheus like being confronted yeah. with like this being a lie um i don't know yeah i, I was gonna gonna like totally add on to what you just said like the moment when the nebuchadnezzar explodes towards the end is like is one of my favorite morpheus moments because it's just like i forget exactly what he says but he's just like yeah everything i dreamed of just like is just gone in a moment essentially and yeah i like i think it gets to those moments a little bit later and yeah like i was yeah kind of against the zion uh, not zion but just the machine world visuals in the first one but yeah i think the character moments once they get out of that big sequence in the end i like those moments people are a little mixed on you know neo having powers outside of the matrix and yeah but i think that that, that those little parts are really crucial and i like i enjoy those little sections yeah i think yeah, I'm i was the, gonna I'm, say go ahead i was gonna say thomas uh you mentioned that you hated the exterior ship scenes so it's like oh there's more of that in this so yeah, <laughs> but I think it totally makes sense to have the sequel. So we've established that Neo is basically a god in the Matrix. Like the sequel has to kind of disarm him a little bit, and the way you do that is by having it set in the real world. The problem is we don't really explore. We don't really explore that, I guess, until Revolutions, like where like the fight has to happen in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah there's just a little bit towards the end and. Yeah, Carl, you mentioned that I did definitely rag on the visual aspect of the machine world and the Nebuchadnezzar kind of flying around. And the portions that we get in this movie, I think, are not that, you know, it's not super detrimental to the overall experience. I I think 
that. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I like the crew. I like everything that happens when it's, once they get in. But yeah, I feel like it's not super detrimental or too much. It's holding it down. But yeah, the action sequences are the things that kind of are like okay. If you're not, if I'm not super into it, like the burly brawl or you know, like the Neo versus all the Smiths, like. When I first saw it, I was in, I was in love with it, but yeah, every time I rewatch it, it like it loses its charm yeah. a little bit every single time, and I think like yeah, like Gumby Neo is just like is just yeah. aging <laughs> like not well at all, and so yeah, there's no. parts of this movie where I'm like, okay, I like, remember yeah, even at great. even at the time being like, this doesn't look. I remember seeing like a behind the scenes thing where they were making a big big deal out of it, and then watching it and being like, this doesn't yeah. look that good. Like I I should be more wowed by this. Um, yeah, definitely. Know. The I, movie I, as a whole is self-indulgent. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like, there's just so much. There's a lot of great ideas in this movie, but they just they didn't know when to stop. Like, I don't. You don't need the ghosts and like werewolves and vampires and shit. You cut. You can. I feel like you could pretty much cut out all of the Merovingian stuff, and like you will have a tighter movie. You can cut down a lot of the Zion stuff because like what is really interesting is like okay neo has to talk to the oracle to figure out how we're going to save humanity because morpheus believes that um the path of the one is what is going to save you know save zion not just like getting a crew together to fight the machines yeah and so we follow neo on his quest of like going to the oracle being told he has to find the keymaker so that he can go to the source that's all a good quest and we can have some fights along the way but it's like, I don't need to know that, like, Morpheus, uh, you know, his ex-girlfriend's dating this guy who doesn't like him in Zion. And yeah. Like, the Merovingian uh, stuff. Pilot like, drama. <laughs> the Merovingian stuff feels like it's, like, his big dialogue scene is just, it's all about cause and effect. And this movie is, like, mostly interested in free will and choice. And so, like, it kind of makes sense to have that in there. Like, this idea that there is no real choice. It's just a matter of cause and effect. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, do it better if you're gonna do that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, have, I love when the Matrix movies use Neo's perspective. Like when he first walks in and looks in, at a Seraph sitting inside of like I, I don't know. I guess the restaurant or whatever that little room is, and he's just like completely golden, surrounded by the the green code everywhere. I love that moment of just yeah. like yeah, just like extremely visual, very striking. But then yeah, it's also adjacent later into the movie of like it's like zooming in on the girl's vagina as she's like eating this <laughs> orgasm pie that like it's just like yeah. it's just so over the top and i'm like okay like this is just like going like, why on. are we doing this this is going on <laughs> so long and then the and then the wife goes into the bathroom like okay you have to kiss me and i'm like okay this is going on and like it just goes on and on but yeah once like everything from chateau fight forward is just like extremely dynamic to me and very i like the choreography of just how all of those sections link up but yeah a lot of the first hour is is pretty clunky and yeah it's it, it, yeah it's a little trippy i get the criticisms about the merovingian <laughs> and persephone but i, I yeah. still love it I, <laughs> I don't get bored during that, that that section um it definitely slows down the movie um i still dig it what can i say <laughs> yeah i think it's still over the top <laughs> yeah i think like, i'm yeah. i'm the most it is, it is. one here <laughs> i think so um but yeah there's actually a cornell west is in this movie he plays one of the councilmen (laughs) in zion yeah and he and this philosopher i think bill wilburn um recorded an audio commentary for this movie and you can listen to the whole thing on youtube they they bring up some interesting stuff about how like um the matrix is uh, you know, it's coated in green and the real world of Zion is all blue and uh, the spirit world is gold. And so when he looks at Seraph and he's just, he's made of light, uh, it's kind of trying to tie like the machines to the spirit world. And I think there's an interesting thing, like the fact that um, this program, her name is Persephone, like, and Oracle talks about how oh, there are these programs who see over everything and you don't really notice them. Uh, it kind of does give this feeling that like the programs are like Greek gods who are just, uh, they all have their own little grudges. They all have their own drives and motivations. And occasionally they meddle in human affairs to get those things. Um, yeah, totally. And I think know. that ties into the fact that the architect is like, he's like said, like if he is married to, not married to, but 
if there was the father of the Matrix and the Oracle is the yeah. mother of the Matrix, and so that kind of ties into their whole mythological connection. And that like gets us to what is like the big twist of this movie, which is that uh, Neo isn't the one; he is one of several ones. Uh, and that's the the idea of the one is a uh, mathematical mathematical um, inevitability, basically. He's, inevitability, yeah, he's yeah, an inevitability. He's, he's an anomaly. He is. Um, the issue is that eventually, as people free themselves, it creates a, it creates a problem, and they need the one to go to the source to reset the matrix. Um, and I guess each time they're getting a little bit better about the number of people who are being free, like it's reducing the number. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I believe so. Yeah, and so the whole thing is that because of free choice, uh, the architect has created a situation where Neo has to make a choice between saving Zion or, or saving humanity, basically, and restarting the Matrix and selecting some people from the Matrix to rebuild Zion. Um, or he can save Trinity and kind of doom humanity. And so it's, he's being given a choice where the choice is, the the proper choice is obvious because this is how a machine's brain works. You know, logically, the best choice is to save the most people. But Neo being human chooses his love. Um, and then the movie just kind of (laughs) ends. Like we see him, we see him save Trinity. He stops some, uh, sentinels in the real world, which is, I feel like that is a really confusing thing to leave your audience with because that eventually gets explained in the next movie, but yep. this is part of our cliffhanger. So how did that and then the, you? <laughs> the real world uh, Smith is there next to him yeah. on the bed. Yeah. Which we kind ends. of like didn't even discuss, um, but we can get into that in a second. But like, there's, how did you, there's how, a lot. What, go ahead. I said, yeah, there's a lot of new characters that we still need to get to. Yeah. I mean, do yeah. we though? <laughs> like... uh, not necessarily. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah, like I like the fact that yeah, we the characters that we already know do very key things, but yeah, there's a lot of new characters that they're yeah, just they're adjacent to the conflict and yeah, like the general and all of that stuff. Oh, not the general, but yeah, but like the I forget the main guy in the council with like the weird eyebrows that twist up and yeah, he like he leads Neo oh, around. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Some just councilman. <laughs> yeah, like that one of the yeah. other councilmen. The one who he, he meets at night. Yeah. He has a walk yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah, and which like well, last night the cliffhanger made me wanna made me wanna watch Revolution. Yeah, it made me wanna watch because I feel because I feel like this is an incomplete movie. It, it's it's crazy it to me that they came out six months apart. Like. Ballsy. It doesn't feel like something that a movie studio should do, but because this no. movie doesn't have an ending i like that's i think the response that i had walking out of the theater when i was a kid was well i guess we'll see (laughs) like yeah we don't know what's gonna happen and just general (laughs) confusion about what what the architect thing was yeah i remember watching it for the first time Uh, watching it the first time the reveal of bane on the other side of neo was very confusing and very jarring because i was mostly in tune to just the action and not to the everything else but yeah watching it this time it was a little bit more obvious with yeah the other crew members and the other ship members having him sort of slowly work like not like necessarily a mutiny but slowly just work his way into just dismantling that crew and finding his way as the only survivor of these other ships i I like the way that is sort of just kind of crept in the background a little bit and yeah yeah the stuff the stuff back at zion is i don't know it's i have mixed feelings about it but I do enjoy the the character moments because yeah, they seem charming to me, and I love Morpheus' Morpheus's speech. I like the the guy that sort of idolizes Neo and like sh- he shows up and p- prevents Bane <laughs> from stabbing him. <laughs> yeah, it's like random. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah so like that's, it, all, it all it's all it all works for me. That's the I'm pretty sure that's the person who he's talking to at the end of the first movie. They connected that, and in oh, the really? Animatrix, he, there's actually one of the vignettes is him like a direct origin story of that kid. Yeah. Okay. So you get more of that kid in, in uh, the third movie and then the extended stuff. Uh, yeah. See, uh, not that, not that you wanted it. <laughs> yeah. I but, think they yeah. needed to trim the fat. I'm like, 
Like, I, I like the idea of there's someone Neo is saved who, like, kind of worships him, but it's like, I don't know. Like, just give me just give me the meat of this story. Um, For sure. I understand that. Yeah. Because there's certainly a lot of meat and a lot of things that this movie tries to bite off as far as, like, talking, introducing new themes that, like, Zion is a part of the Matrix, and this is all a part of a grander cycle, and, like, not necessarily... I don't like using the word retcon, not retconning things from the first first movie, but recontextualizing things yeah. with a lot more information and just making it like a lot heavier to sort of decipher. It subverts yeah. the the hero savior story where it's like, oh no, yeah, this yeah. isn't a savior. This is someone who has barely saved humanity and this is happening yeah, yeah. over and over again. Yeah, um, which is gives, gives him a tough choice to make, a very selfish choice that he makes at the end too. Yeah. I it would have been tough to continue writing neo um as basically superman you know what are you gonna do he emily, has emily and i after watching this we like we were really drunk we actually stopped it halfway through and like for an hour we just planned out like okay if this movie didn't exist what would our matrix sequel be and it's just like well you just like i said you take him to the real world because he doesn't have any powers there and uh our thing was like well he comes to zion and turns out zion is fucking terrible and now he's having cypher's dilemma where he's like is reality even worth saving like maybe the maybe like the machines are onto something and then like you can explore that dynamic meanwhile morpheus is a religious extremist who wants him to be the one and trinity is trying to convince him that like reality is worth saving um and then so like because the thing that i i want these movies to build to which maybe they'll do it in the fourth one is the idea that uh, there is the prison of the matrix, which is the simulation. But once you are free of the matrix and into the real world, you are still confined by the limitations that the matrix imposed on you. So it's like you can fly in the matrix, but he's not flying around in real life because he still believes that the limitations imposed on him with within this simulation are the actual limitations of reality. So what people need to learn is that like real world humans are capable of like things beyond what they could conceive of initially. And so like, like the movie should end with him bending a spoon in the real world. Like, like they, they do a completely different thing where it's like, Oh, he, uh, he can turn the sentinels off, but that's because he is still linked to the technology in some weird way that they go on to explain in revolutions. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, we end actually, up there. Yeah, and in the first movie, like I had a note that every time they, they compare Neo's extraordinary abilities, they always describe it as like, oh, he's doing it like a machine. Like, oh, he's sitting in the he's sitting in the chair. He's you been move like 10, they do, yeah. Yeah, he, he, you move like they do. He's been in the chair for for ten hours. It's like a machine, and I like that. It, I think it builds on that a little bit by the fact that in the real world, in this horrible machine-connected world where they're essentially, they have taken over and they're like, I don't know, they're the gods of that world, essentially. He is connected to that in some way. And so he feels that he he's connected to them and he can control them. And they go all fucking crazy with that in the third yeah. movie. I'm but actually really excited. It's, a little, it's, it's, it's short and sweet in this movie. We just get a little bit of it and then he kind of faints and... He, he passes out but yeah in the third movie it gets very ridiculous in my opinion i don't know i i'm really excited to watch the next one because i do like the idea that like i like the reveal that when he's in the coma his brain activity matches the way someone someone's would look if they were in the matrix and so like even though he's not plugged in his mind is still occupying this space mm-hmm. and so because that feels like it is tying into this whole thing of like the body uh the spirit and like I don't know. There's like these different realms. Um, yeah. And yeah. like this movie also has, I feel like this movie, part of the reason it could have trimmed the fat is because it doesn't enough to tie agent Smith's story to Neo because like Smith, he, he has transcended the, the matrix. Uh, he has transcended the boundaries of his own reality. So like at the beginning, he, in, in the first movie he talks about how humanity is a virus and like reproducing and like pulling all of the natural resources and that is essentially what agent smith becomes he becomes a virus he's yeah he's he is, virus. Um, cloning himself and he is taking over the matrix um and then he transcends the matrix and becomes human so he transcends that 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 boundary of what is defining reality um and so it's like it's positioning neo and smith as like two sides of a coin 
but I feel like it doesn't quite do enough to explore the dynamic of that. Um, I don't know. It's definitely lurking in the background. I want to get your guys' opinion on the actual actor Bane, who plays Bane, because I, I feel like they could have used someone more striking. I don't that know, guy I with sunglasses guy. on? The guy? That guy, yeah, when he has sunglasses once, on in The Matrix, he just looks like any other one of those guys. I mean, once he's in the real world, he's definitely, yeah, you I see him emote, he, he looks, yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's really easy to miss what the hell is going on. Yeah, that's a really good point because I'm even yeah. looking at the cast list on uh, on Wikipedia, and he's at the very end of it. But I'm like, yo, this this dude is at the center of like the turn of this movie. Well, so, I yeah. I heard that um, he did an impression of Hugo Weaving for the Wachowskis, and they hired him immediately. And I think that's he does a good job. It's like, it's pretty dead on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw it because I was yeah watching it with like my cousins. We were like, yeah, well, I'm not exactly like who who was that person? We weren't exactly like super keen to to that, and yeah, his the casting sort of lends to that because he sort of blends into that look. But yeah, I think totally. everyone else is yeah everyone else in this movie yeah is extremely striking as far as like yeah Merovingian and Persephone and the twins and yeah everything else is everyone's pretty distinct except for him. He sort of blends in, but you know, maybe that's yeah, his good. partner yeah. is uh, Roy Jones Jr. The boxer. They, they yeah. cast him in there. <laughs> Who is more striking yeah, was, than, yeah, than Bane. He's at that yeah, first that, meeting. And I honestly, I couldn't even tell you that he was there. You know, and he, this is a guy who ends up as agent Smith. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a trick. Yeah. But yeah, I think I like the way that Smith, like, well, let me just say this. I was watching the behind the scenes for this movie and Hugo Weaving des- describes Agent Smith as like an ego out of control. And I like that description of it because, yeah, like him doing the the me, me, me little gag when he's infecting the other yeah. Smith is I like that. And I, I think it when this movie hams it up with with uh, Agent Smith, I think that's when it really excels because, yeah, it's just. Yeah, this shit is just really cool to just watch him slowly just assimilate these other programs. And when it happens in the freeway chase scene, I like when we, well, it's not Agent Smith, but when the agents are sort of warping into other people while they're driving. Yeah. And sometimes it's like we get to see like the face stretch. And then there's other times where it's just like a split second cut from like a person driving, then it changes to an agent. I just like that. Yeah, that, that eerie feeling of these programs seeping into this reality. Yeah, something that kind of, was uh that that kind of reminded me of just like the idea that like people are turning into agents and like shouldn't people be noticing that like people who occupy the matrix but like in the first movie it ends with neo flying around so how does uh and he's still flying around all in this one so how do the people that are still confined into this uh prison of the mind make sense of the idea that there's a dude flying around (laughs) like that's something i'm interested in understanding good question yeah i don't know really yeah i've never really (laughs) thought of that this movie does a little bit with other people in the matrix as far as like having those tentpole characters like the merovingian or i guess those are just programs essentially or just you described them as kind of like gods but then we get a little bit of like the quote-unquote everybody else and i don't know it's people driving in the cars or like the lady in the pink dress who eats the cake or it's just like is that like a a person who is looking at neo and they don't even know what they're looking at or something like that like yeah it's kind of weird we don't get get a lot of the perspective of the person on the ground yeah in, no. in theory i well the only line we get that i like is uh morpheus mentions like yeah we've had more conversions or we've had like more people awakenings in the past six months and yeah. we in the past year or so. And so that is really provocative and it gets me thinking about those missions just to waking up more people. And so, yeah, there's little moments like that that are slightly more interesting than some of the drawn out action that we get, so to speak. But yeah, I I like the action that we get, but yeah, there are some ideas and nuggets that are very provocative and very like interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I wish they would have explored that stuff more. If they couldn't do it in the movies, than in the games or something or, yeah, I mean, there's tons of I, I con- mean, like there's tons of concepts to explore, but at the end of the day, they just got to tell a story. And yeah, my perspective is, is it should center on characters and like where characters need to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, they are very much into exploring concepts, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. We're kind of all over the place. <laughs> I, yeah, I need to watch the next one. <laughs> it's hard. I, I, 
part of me is wondering if a lot of these criticisms that I have get resolved in the next one. And this is just like they didn't have the time to develop, uh, to explore some of these dynamics. So it's been a long time since I've seen it. What do you guys think of Link, you know, as like a tank replacement? I don't think I he like needs. Him. I, 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 once again, I'm like trim the fat. Like I don't need to know this guy's family life. Like, yeah, yeah. I really like the actor, but but yeah, the character yeah. doesn't do much for me. And it is weird to me that all of these uh, sort of operators are like him and Tank both drop pop culture references repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like him because they, I think they sort of went a little bit more like in towards the fuck it direction it's like okay he's just going to be like our audience essentially and so every time neo is bending the rules a little bit we have someone sort of at the control seat a little bit like hey like what the fuck like this is not normal for what we're used to seeing so i think it helps contextualize like you know like he's been used to seeing morpheus do the morpheus thing for so long but now neo showed up and is you know, flying around doing the Superman thing, quote unquote, and it's literally <laughs> blowing everyone's mind. And that's why he has to be on this ship because this is where the shit is happening because this is where Jesus is. You know, we got Jesus on, on our ship, so we got to be there. So I like him. I think he, yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's there's not a lot that we get with the <laughs> with his life at home. His wife is just like, I don't want you to leave because you're going to fucking die out there and whatever. She isn't, she, she isn't convinced. But besides that, I, don't know. I, like, I like him in the in the way that he is kind of reacting to just like basically the crazy sequences that we're reacting to as an audience. Yeah. yeah. Tank did a lot of that too. In the first movie, it yeah, works. Not as expressive though. I think Link is not as more ex- like, expressive. yeah. Yeah. Link is a little more fun to hang out with in my opinion. It's like, mm-hmm. it, I, 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 when I, when there are characters like this in movies, it feels like a laugh track to me where it's like, okay. okay. We're, we're, we're getting the sensation of what we're supposed to be feeling. But like, I think the, best scene in the first movie that drives the point home of like oh what we saw is actually or what what's happening right now is really badass and we should appreciate what's happening is when mouse breaks in and he's like morpheus is fighting neo and then people climb over like the table and shit yeah it's yeah. like that is like the best yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that's a great way of like elevating a moment um totally yeah. amazing scene <laughs> yeah i think that would have, yeah, it would have benefited if there was some more people kind of there to maybe to help. I don't know, help. Yeah, I don't. For that escalation. I don't know, like <laughs> what the. I, I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> what the difference is, like what makes one execution better than another? But like, I don't know. Sure. If, if, I, when, I think when a whole character's purpose is to be like the, wow, like d- is that really happening? <laughs> like sort of thing. It's just. I don't know. I mean, they yeah. give him more. They give him more to do than that. They give him this whole family thing. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if we need this. Like, yeah, it's a little campy, but yeah, I guess <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I was. I'm way more critical of this one, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I feel like you're gonna be way fucking more critical of Revolutions because yeah, maybe because this movie I feel like has all of the iconic moments that I remember of the Matrix have already happened. Like, there's not a lot of visual things or particular philosophical moments in the third movie that i can remember but yeah when i think about the matrix they are the first two movies to me and so i remember they, that in the third one there is like a giant machine baby right at uh, the end yeah, yeah yeah all right that's cool yeah. right <laughs> yeah. we're not all excited about that I, I i couldn't even tell yeah like i couldn't tell you where it happens but at least for this movie it feel well you you said it was seamed but for me it feels like a very tight piece from the fantasy of neo's dream of seeing uh trinity crash the bike into the from the beginning of that to the end it feels pretty connected as far as like yeah a, a chunk of time and i think the wachowskis also cherished that chunk of time because a lot of the video games take place in this phase where it's Neo going to save Trinity and they're also, it's the mayor of Inge, all this stuff is kind of happening in this very crucial, special period of time for the Wachowskis where this is very important for yeah. what me, for, for what happens for the future of the matrix. Not so much yeah. the, the third movie, the third movie is literally just like goddamn mech warrior. Like I, I, I couldn't tell you anything besides, yeah, movie besides the yeah. dude in the chair shooting, just like the, screaming. Shooting yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So this movie, I think, yeah, you're, you're definitely critical on it, but I think as far as the first two that I think they have such good choreography and just visual presence that it's just, yeah, it's super solid. Yeah. For me. And so where it, the, it, it, it might lack in some corners, but 
I don't know, I think overall is my favorite piece of the entire script. Really? So okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you like, like it more than the first Matrix? one? Yeah, I like the first Matrix, but I think Reloaded is like one of my favorite things to sit down and watch. Like I said, the, the freeway chase scene is my favorite action sequence in the past, you know, 20 some odd years is because, yeah, I just like the way that it goes from one part to the next where it's just like it's focused on yeah like trinity and morpheus in the car and they get separated and then they sort of work their way back to each other and then yeah he has the fight on top where he faces off with the agent yeah and it just yeah it just yeah it just feels very I was impressed crisp to me yeah go ahead i was impressed rewatching it last night i had like noise canceling headphones on um the freeway scene specifically it holds up yeah. very well yeah, and I love the music too. Like, just yeah, the yeah, music is like just like it, it's like techno, but not like obnoxious. Like, it's just very pulsating. Yeah, and it's like very pre Nolan. Like, I can hear it right now. It's like iconic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It is. yeah, but I don't feel that way about the third movie. The third movie, like, I I'm excited to rewatch it because I haven't seen it since theaters as a, a you know 13 year old. But yeah, oh that, that far back. First, yeah, the first two movies are very like vivid and just extremely, I don't know, present in my mind. But yeah, the third one, I'm like, I don't even know. Like, you know, Smith flying around and Neo flying around, a lot of Dragon Ball Z shit. Smith... Dragon Ball Z, yeah. Does Agent <laughs> Smith fly in that movie? Yeah, they, yeah. they're like literally, oh, okay. like, they had these two specialized rigs. I think they oh, call them maybe like I the, do. the tuning forks or some shit where they like put Neo, or, and they're sorry, just they turning them around. Reeves and Hugo weaving in like these two little metal things and just twisted them around and just like all right, boom 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 like action figures basically I'm like yeah it's just ridiculous. it does kind of turn into action figures huh. <laughs> yeah and so I'm with Carl a little bit where like yeah like two is like kind of precious to me where it's like it doesn't it's not too over the top like three but it, yeah it contains a lot of the very just like concise philosophy and ideas of the first one but just kind of expanded hmm. expands yeah it so much hinges on neo getting to the architect so you get all that that cross play with the other crews you know they sabotage that power station yeah. together everyone's kind of coordinating this plan and then the yeah, three gets kind of splintered off to where it's the war on zion and then neo and trinity trying to get to the machines um, yeah the machine city or yeah. whatever yeah yeah i guess it's just yeah yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Again, I just love seeing Morpheus uh, do his thing. Yeah. Um, the katana and the Uzi. I mean, it's ridiculous, but uh, it looks cool. That's me playing cyberpunk right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just I had a great time rewatching it. I, it had been three or four years. You know, I revisit the first one a lot more than the sequels, admittedly, and the third one even less so than Reloaded. But it was yeah, I had a good time. Right. Yeah. overall yeah i i really like a, a lot of the portion of like the chateau fight is like it's all neo and then yeah trinity's kind of running off with the key maker and doing a thing and then yeah i like the way that morpheus he like he picks up the samurai sword and they like he starts to use it but then when it comes to that moment of him like he, he like tells him hey like just go just hop on those motorcycles and then he faces and like shoots him or whatever and he turns and slices the car, and he's like, his, "Yeah, his suit it looks so nothing. cool." Yeah, it's just like it's just <laughs> so cool. it's just pure fucking style. It's just like style, yeah, just like turned up all the way to the max. And yeah, yeah uh, it's anime the costume. Yeah, like, it really is the costumes. Like his fucking like leather or no, his like alligator like suit or whatever. Like mm-hmm. his suit has like this texture to it that's like an animal skin. Like it's just. God damn it! Yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. I love, I love the, Morpheus in this movie. The, like, there's a scene. Dead. There's a scene early he gets on. Redeemed. There's yeah. a scene early on when all of the uh, people from the real world are having a meeting, and they're all wearing their sunglasses and stuff, and they're in like <laughs> a very dark room. And so, like, so when I'm watching the uh, the highway chase, and they're on the top of the car. Uh, Morpheus like takes his sunglasses off and his jacket off to like get ready to fight an agent and so I was like wait a minute if he's taking his sunglasses off that implies that they do like impede his vision but they were all in that like dark tunnel having a meeting earlier in that first yeah. meeting for the upgraded <laughs> like, no agent can, show up. no one can see shit they just want to look cool yeah, and they can't even appreciate got, how cool they look I think they all got about smaller style. I think they got smaller in this movie too his sunglasses? Yeah, there's a lot of like 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting, like, time capsule moments. Like, when he opens up his phone and, like, it's, like, this weird Motorola, like... I, I swear to God, that's like a custom phone. Yeah, they made like, they made like a like ten thousand of them or some shit like that, and then they all sold out super quick. Yeah, yeah, just it's just it just, it's just I love it so much. Just it still looks cool to me. <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> so ridiculous. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for this one. I, yeah, I, I would even dare to say it's my favorite one out of all of the three. I can get behind that. I don't know. I won't go as far to say that. Just, I love the first one so yeah, much, but I think the first yeah. one's like almost perfect. Maybe perfect. Sure. It's like a 10, 10 star movie out of five. They really just ramped up again. Yeah, the style and, and uh, Reloaders is just it's straight up cyberpunk. I mean, and at, at this time, I was also getting into anime and you know watching Akira, watching Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. So just seeing that stuff in live action, yeah. It, yeah, it's hard to separate my 14 year old self from this movie. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> this franchise in general. Again, this is it's pretty much my Star Wars. You know, yeah, if I had to compare it to something, and then it just went away. It just went away until <laughs> until yeah. now. They released all that stuff. Uh, even the Path of Neo came out a few years later, and we had uh, the Matrix Online. That was yeah, a disaster, and then yeah, the brand just yeah. like died. It just died. It's a shame. Um, so, what are your predictions for Matrix Four? Where do you think the story can go logically? Man, I haven't read up on anything. Because um, didn't he I die like, in the third? Yeah, movie? I was going to say I didn't want to. <laughs> it's pretty concrete ending, yeah. unless they reboot the Matrix and for some reason Neo and Trinity come back. You know, Trinity hmm. dies, <laughs> Neo dies. Like maybe uh, there the is movie. some like aspect of him that still exists within the simulation yeah yeah do we know that it takes place uh chronologically after the third movie i have no idea or is it just called no. matrix four it could be placed somewhere yeah, else in the fair. timeline i don't know yeah yeah they could do the simulation thing we're just like okay this is taking place sometime within this timeline that has already been established but who knows? Yeah, I think I like where Daniel's going towards like playing with things in reality. I think that's the next logical step. Because it's like, so yeah, when Emily and I were drunkenly coming up with our uh, what is the possible Matrix sequel? Um, let me see. We were even like, I was even like rereading the end monologue. Um, let me see if I can find it here. And I was like, <laughs> you can even tie back to that where he says. I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I don't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show you them a world without you. And this is, like, the important part. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. So it's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm really kind of uh, infatuated with the idea that, like, in the real world, their minds still haven't escaped the prism, the prison of what they perceive to be possible. Um, and so, and I think that like is, it kind of goes back to sort of the revolutionary message of that first movie where it's like, don't be, don't, it, it, I don't know. It's like Jedi shit. <laughs> like yeah, the limitations are all in your head, you know? I'm excited, I feel, you know, yeah. whatever they do. Um, how do you guys feel about it going to, HBO Max. Oh, I hope really not. I hope now. it comes out. Like, there's some movies where I'm totally fine with like putting them on HBO, HBO Max because they're probably gonna suck anyway. Like, put all the super put all the superheroes on streaming. I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's official. I mean, they announced it. I just I don't know if it's gonna be day and date with theater. I mean, this is if I have a choice, this is something I want to see. In yeah, theater. I want to see in theater. Yeah, that's one of those things where I would definitely do the necessary precautions to do that safely because yeah like i fucking didn't see one or two in theaters i yeah. saw three in theaters so that was the first matrix movie i saw which was so so oh that's and, weird wait that was the first yeah. one you saw period no 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 so okay I saw, like, the, the first one i watched like at my cousin's house because you know can watch radar movies over there not at my parents house and then saw the second one uh, you know in a similar situation where he's like i watched this in a incognito kind of way by yeah. myself saw the third one for my birthday because it came out on in november 5th 2003 right. so yeah that was like right before my birthday and so for four i'm like fuck yeah i'll go see you know i definitely want to see a matrix movie in the yeah. theaters and 
yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think if they even go as far as doing some IMAX crazy, crazy visuals, I'll be there for it too. Because yeah, I'm, I, I trust the Wachowskis to be able to do something visually innovative and spectacular. Yeah, what the hell is it going to be? Like, because Trinity and <laughs> Neo are in it, and it's like, what the fuck is it going to be? Yeah, um, yeah, they're confirmed. Simulation shit. Yeah. What were you saying, Carl? They're, yeah, they're, they're definitely confirmed to be in it. Um, yeah, definitely going to show yeah, up. I think right in that wave of talking about simulations and things that's current, I think that's going to be maybe, involved hmm. in the plot. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe they help out a younger, younger cast, like they're... Passing the they're baton. still saved within the matrix or something yeah yeah that's yeah. what i was thinking like maybe their sort of consciousness it still exists within that world somehow mm-hmm. um but i don't know what the point is i mean it seems like there was a truce between humans and machines by the end so yeah at Dude, the why the fuck worst... <laughs> i was, I was gonna say why the fuck this is just a side note sorry uh, i was say yeah <laughs> why why didn't i go with you to see the dolby screening Ah man, it was fucking no awesome. <laughs> you dude. offered. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hearing you talk about it again, I was just like, oh my god. I, <laughs> I still haven't seen the first one in a in a theater. I still haven't seen the screening of it. Oh man, that's great. Go ahead, Thomas. Sorry for interrupting. Oh no, it's all good. I think I was just going to mention that I think in worst case scenario, it, we get some sort of force awakens type of situation where it's like they're they're brought in just simply to pass the baton and be killed off which is something i don't want to happen but i hope they're involved yeah. in a more elegant way that's i was just that's why i was like it's a cynical thought but i was like yeah that's just what i was thinking as far as like what matrix four could possibly be yeah well maybe when we watch Re- revolutions we'll get some more ideas um yeah <laughs> totally curious about that uh is that everything for the matrix reloaded uh, I think that's so. it. Yeah. Do we want to do what we were? What have you watched this week? Um. Yeah. So, Carl, maybe you could just you'll sit in on this, or you're free to go yeah, if you want in. us to say goodbye. Okay. <laughs> uh. So yeah. What about we're not going to be talking about any like series, not like the Mandalorian. Yeah, we're not going to do the Mandalorian chat. Um. Fuck. What did I, oh, this week I watched Soul. Finally. Okay. Um. I really liked it. I thought it was really fun. It wasn't at all what i was expecting i thought it was going to be way more depressing and like Mm -hmm. existential but it's just kind of a body swap comedy (laughs) which i really wasn't expecting um and the animation looks insane like we as soon as we finished it we were we rewound it and we were just like watching kind of key scenes and um just kind of amazed at how good it looked Um, sweet have you seen soul carl i have it i want to I'm a little behind on the Pixar thing, um, but I did recently watch Toy Story 4, finally, and very impressed. Uh, yeah, it, it hit me harder than I could have ever expected. Really? Um, I really want to yeah, see yeah. it. Yeah, I'm I'm really bad with Pixar, too. I have a lot of holes and gaps. I keep yeah, wanting to put I, for whatever 4 reason. on, but Emily's like, eh, it was so, it like ended so well on 3. Like, why, why bother? <laughs> and, uh, that was my problem. Yeah, I was totally fine with 3. Um, but I, I, yeah, I recommend watching four, especially if you're a Toy Story fan. Uh, Thomas, yeah, I what, haven't seen three. Thomas, I know you saw Soul. What, what did you think of it? Because we haven't talked about it. Uh, well, at, at the risk of spoiling it for Carl, I, I just want to say that I appreciate yeah, the visuals of it. I like a lot of things that they're doing in the movie, but it seemed to be a little bit of, I don't know. The, the I had an issue with the body swapping thing mm-hmm. and the whole Tina Fey character. Like it just kind of just egged me that that was a lot of screen time dedicated to her as opposed to dedicated to uh the other person who i can't remember his name at the moment but jamie yeah, fox's jamie character Fox, yeah jamie fox's character and yeah i was anticipating it to be a little bit more 50 50 but i just walked away with not that feeling hmm. okay and yeah it just it just didn't feel right yeah <laughs> seeing sorry i'm gonna spoil this for you carl but yeah it's that's fine right. that's fine yeah it didn't feel right having that black character have Tina Fey's voice coming out for like most of the movie. Yeah. It was just like, it just felt like, oh, it's super whimsical. Like, we're body swapping. I'm like, yeah, but this is a movie about fucking jazz about a black dude yeah, in New yeah. York. And like, Coco was like so good for like, yeah. I don't, like, I don't, 
is for what I know about Mexican culture, but like if Coco felt fucking real and connected, but yeah, this one I was like, mm, like I do felt you think, like this could have used a little bit more actual soul injected to it to be very harsh. Do you think I'm if sure Tina Fey's character, if if they cast a black woman for that character instead of Tina Fey, do you think that would have helped? Mm, not necessarily. I think the body swap premise i think it's just i think i have an issue with that i think yeah i don't know i felt like they could have done it in a way where that just wasn't the central conceit of the movie so to speak and yeah having him just kind of be in the cat it just just yeah it just felt weird to me like i appreciate a lot of like i said i love this deeper existential post pixar kind of thing like not uh, post pixar but this like after everything after up i fucking love where it's just like very heady and existential and it's talking about our bodies and our relationship to the world around us and just these connections that we make and yeah what how that defines who we are i love that but yeah i think they nailed the culture of coco so well just it felt very shallow first yeah of all. and I, I loved i loved watching it i watched it with my, my parents we had a good time watching it but yeah, there were some moments where I was like, yeah, this isn't quite working for me. It just didn't really feel as charming as I felt that it thought it was. I think it's kind of, it reminds me of Princess and the Frog, where it's like, oh, the first black Disney princess, hooray. And she's mm-hmm. a frog for most of the movie. <laughs> like, yeah. that was, yeah, that's really fucking a bummer. Um, yeah, and this one does this really trippy thing where, like, this is literally soul number 22 out of however many billion, and so they've had mentors throughout their entire lives where, you know, they've had Lincoln as a mentor and, you know, Marie, like, every, like Harriet Tubman and shit like that, and it's like, okay, cool, like, it's, like you guys are giving shout-outs, but, like, it's it just doesn't feel, I don't know, it just felt kind of empty to me, and I was just like, I like, yeah, I just walked away a little bit disappointed. Yeah, so that and Wonder Woman 84, they both were released digitally as opposed to being released yeah. theatrically. And I, and I had this thought where I was just like, I don't know if I would have liked these movies more while watching them in theaters, but I feel like I possibly might have warmed up to them slightly if I had the chance to kind of been there with an audience to experience it in a traditional way. But watching it at home, I was just... Well, yeah, watching it at home, I, I was just like, hmm, like I feel like I when I had the feeling of being able to just walk away, cause I don't like to walk out of theaters, but like if I'm watching it in my living room, I'm like, ah, I might just pause this. And if that mm-hmm. thought keeps coming up over and over again, I'm just like, all right. Yeah. Like, the movie is being go destroyed. Out, smoke a bowl. <laughs> yeah. Go smoke a joint or something and come back. <laughs> I uh, have a pretty good TV. So when I watched soul, I, I, it made me I really wish that I could have seen it in a theater. Cause I think, like I said, like the visuals of that movie are, fantastic and and the music and the music is beautiful yeah and like but uh i I like the way that they contrast the land of the dead versus the land of the living just like in terms of color in terms of like uh everything the land of the dead feels a lot more softer and Mm. yeah versus uh is it it's new york city right that they're in um i don't know like the textures just the texture on like a brick wall in that movie is like yeah Uh, uh, it's it's like photorealistic it's it's weird and it was very distracting at first yeah i didn't know those beings were a tribute to picasso light paintings and i was really my mind was kind of blown by that like picasso did these light paintings that were very similar to the design Mm. of the characters that inhabit and control this soul world and i was like that's cool pixar's flexing they're like they're doing really artsy stuff and doing like very like I don't know cerebral things and yeah yeah I, I appreciate it for that but I just had some issues with it yeah um, anything else uh, well I was just gonna briefly mention this week I watched Tenant I don't know if you've watched I haven't that, seen it yet yeah uh, yeah Carl you saw it right I watched it yeah <laughs> what do you think of Tenant what do you think of it uh, you go first <laughs> <laughs> that's like a challenge I was gonna say I was gonna say like. <laughs> On this podcast, I've ragged on Nolan a bit, and I even called him a hack. I wanted to like rewind that a little bit and be like, okay, I don't 
think How that, apropos. I don't think that I don't think that's severely about Christopher Nolan. I think he's a very competent visual director. I just think he needs to have someone else writing his shit because yeah. Tenet is one of those movies where I was watching it and I was like, there's just amazing, amazing sequences in that movie that are just so like incredible to watch. But I'm like, this is just like in a genre I would describe as nonsense. Like it's just like I agree. ridiculous. Like, just like, like if yeah. I was without going on Netflix, oh action, comedy, suspense, nonsense. nonsense. It's just Tenet. It's just ridiculous. Yep. Without seeing Tenet, I feel like he's someone who is really infatuated with structure and like yeah. So like because yeah, Memento, it's like oh, it's backwards and there's some scenes that are forward. Uh, Inception, it's like okay, we have uh, a bunch of different framing devices. So it's like you know the dream inside of a dream, and we'll cross cut between all these sequences to make it feel like one very long sequence. Uh, yeah. Dunkirk is like. It's, you know, it's just all about time, and we're going to have a score that's all about time. Or, like, uh, they say a night, uh, a week, and then, or a day, or something like that. Yeah. And so... Three three pieces of time. So, yeah, I feel like he's someone who's just very infatuated with, like, the structure and the way, like, um, the trajectory that a, a story unfolds. And, yeah, that's, and playing around that's with that. Pure, that is purely what Tenant is about, is structure and yeah like just the an entire movie dedicated to yeah there's just indulging in that theme to just the maximum yeah yeah it's he always has a gimmick or most of the time he has a central gimmick and this is definitely his most gimmicky movie man uh there's no emotional core (laughs) the protagonist is named protagonist really Uh, no there's no character to really follow you're just watching the well you're watching like a fetch and then you're watching these. I mean, the, the action scenes are amazing. Uh, visually, it looks great, sounded great. Yeah. But you're at some point like, why am I watching this? Yeah. No. Um, yeah. It has one of my favorite lines in any Christopher Nolan movie when he walks into the the kitchen and he's like, I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago <laughs> and then proceeds to just beat up the thugs. And I, I just wanted to be like either a little more campy and fun, but yeah, Christopher Nolan just is super serious, super straight. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I'm just no like, fun to be had. I, I talked to literally all of my friends. I'm like, yo, like what did you think of this movie? They're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I can't believe was... <laughs> there was so much hype and yeah. then it was going to so save much cinema. Controversy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not the movie for that. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the cast. I mean, the cast was great for what they had to do. They didn't have much to do outside of his again the the whole time travel gimmick. Yeah, I'm digging Robert Pattinson. His he's making some oh, yeah. good choices as far as like movies he's choosing to be in and this and I wasn't crazy about um, the devil all the time. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but he has a yeah. really good performance in that movie. Yeah, he's having a great time in that movie. He's uh, he's magnetic. You know, uh, he's one of the high points of that movie. It's, I well agree. Said, well said. I, yeah, he's... you can't take your eyes off of him in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's making great choices these days. Yeah, I'm always excited to see. You know. I mean, I think he probably made so much money off Twilight that it's like he could just do whatever he wants now. And so yeah, he's, he's got fuck you money now. Yeah, so it's just like I'll just take <laughs> projects that actually sound interesting to me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's chewing scenery and uh, the devil all the time, fully, and it's it's great. It's a southern accent. Yeah, that apparently he didn't have a voice coach for that. He just kind of like went for it. Yeah, yeah, he was like, "I'm I'm gonna do it." (laughs) They're like, "All right, we can't stop him." I didn't know that. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, but I would like to see what you think of Tenet, Daniel. Yeah, you're on the watching. Um, well, when it's free to, we're not really praising it here. (laughs) Yeah, I'll probably wait for that one's free. So. I think that's that's fair to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Glad I didn't risk COVID to go see it in theaters. Yeah, yeah absolutely and, not. And please, Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think the next movie that I want us to watch is a movie called Class Action Park. It's a documentary. We haven't done. Oh, a I've seen that. On yeah. the show yet. You've seen that? Yeah. Oh, good, I guess not. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's okay. We could this. still do it. Because I was either, if it was going to be that or it was going to be Black Bear. I haven't seen Black Bear. Yeah, Black Bear is a new Audrey Plaza movie, and it has Christopher Abbott, who is in Possessor. Okay. Yeah, let's do Black Bear. You want to do Black Bear? Okay. Yeah, let's do Black Bear. If you've seen Class Action Park, I'll just watch that. 
and maybe <laughs> yeah just watch it for what have you been watching lately and then we could just talk about it for sure for sure there you go but yeah it was either going to be that or black bear because i want to watch one of those next so yeah that's next up on the docket but yeah thank you for being on the show carl yeah. for thank you for suggesting the matrix i'm always down to watch it happy to have your suggestion happy to have you on thanks for having me guys this was super fun uh any excuse yeah. to again talk about the matrix yeah definitely talk about being 14 again <laughs> yeah totally hell yeah well this has been episode 22 of Vague Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us at vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have list, suggestions, questions, trivia, if you want to send us a YouTube video, tell us to fuck off. Hey, I'll read that email. It's all good. If you want to Twitter us, you can hit us up at, at vaguezone. You can tweet at us. We are tweeting all the time. Hit us up on Twitter. Reach out. We'd like to connect. So, yeah, I've been one of your hosts, Thomas. One of our guests has been Carl, and one of my always with me has been... Daniel. <laughs> All right, cool. And we will catch you on the next one. All right. Take care.